Blog Talk Radio. Right, we're going to get into some Detroit basketball. Welcome, welcome to episode 60 of the New Look Pass podcast presented by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, who would like to break the news. James Harden will be unavailable indefinitely, Andy. Did you know about this? He is currently playing defense for the Packers. Uh, I have uh, my co-host with me, Andy Flint. So what's good? That's terrible. And just to think that I had queued up a Packers beginning to, why not? It's the championship Sunday. I'm going to say that yeah. the only thing that makes me more happy on Sunday than the Lions win is when Green Bay is getting routed. Ha! <laughs> I don't know why Andy does this to himself. A Lions fan and an Orlando Magic fan. I guess he doesn't like uh, – you don't like your, your postseason to be very big. I was a kid. I was a kid. <laughs> Shaq and Barry Sanders. That's the only two things I can say. Uh, okay, I think we'll all forgive you. So we are going to get into our show. We have a double feature for you with the two Central Division teams while you were watching TNT. We were watching the Detroit Pistons and the Chicago Bulls. Our first stop was with the Detroit Pistons, and sadly we caught them on a road trip, so we did not get to hear any of the Detroit Basketball. I don't know why that's my – that's just like my favorite studio or arena thing going on in all of basketball. Uh, so – we got the Pistons, as I said, on a West Coast trip, all losses in the at Sacramento, at Golden State, and at Utah. Some pretty good teams. Uh, Sacramento may be iffy, but Golden State and Utah definitely two of the better teams in the Western Conference and probably in the NBA. So how many Pistons games did you watch, and what were your impressions? Uh, I caught two uh, shellackings. So <laughs> this is not going to be great entertainment. Um, if you're a fan of the Detroit Pistons, I caught the, the Golden State and the Utah games. And, you know, like you mentioned, we caught them. It was kind of on the tail end of that six-game West Coast road trip, which, you know, was pretty taxing. I think they played Portland twice, Sacramento, Golden State, Utah, and I don't remember where they ended, somewhere, Clippers or Lakers. But, I, you know, I think this was a little unfair. We caught them right in the middle of like a three-game skid there um, from the Kings to the Jazz, but the Jazz game was especially bad. I think that that is literally the worst NBA game I've caught all season. And I mean, with the amount of games watched this year, it's crazy, but it's a contender. Um, 110 to 77 was was the result there. I didn't didn't see that game. I didn't see that game. So I was it so bad. I mean, Drummond had, you know, something like 20 rebounds. And I remember him being big on the glass in that game. But, like, nothing went their way. I just felt like they, they played awful basketball. It was one of those games where you have uh, Tobias Harris and Marcus Morris, who, for the life of me, I feel like are the, almost the same guy. And it, it's just, it was a lot of shooting. There was a lot of shooting. I don't know what the percentages are, but I know that these guys, I'm pretty sure that Harris and Morris led the way as far as scoring went that night, so I'm going to also assume they took the most shots. But it was dreadful. I just felt like I saw so many misses. Reggie Jackson had a pretty bad game, if I recall correctly. Um, and the Golden State game, really, I think they were much better than the Golden State game. Just Golden State is a far superior team. But to only score yeah. 77 against the Jazz, and I, I respect the Jazz. I, I like what they're doing this year. They're a great defensive team. But the Pistons have got to do something. And the question that I keep asking myself is, who's their best player? Clearly Andre Drummond. Can Andre Drummond be your best player? And can Marcus Morris slash Tobias Harris be your second best player? Absolutely not. So I don't really no, know what their no, team has to do please. from here. Um, you know, the 
the rumors of the Reggie Jackson and Ricky Rubio thing, I don't think that that really solves any of their problems. I feel like this team really needs a, a 1A type player to go with Drummond because Drummond has great nights out there on the basketball court, but it's really never putting the ball in the hoop. So I don't know that you can get away with your best player being your defensive player slash rebounder. It, I don't know if that works. I would agree. Uh, I definitely think that you made a good point, one, about us catching them on a bad stretch because the NLP curse is real because they've actually won three in a row since we stopped watching them, and you were right. They ended with the Lakers um, on that West Coast trip, and then they, they won that game and, and came home and won a couple more. So definitely the NLP curse is real. I do agree with you also that Marcus Morris and Tobias Harris are clearly the same player. Uh, and also about that Reggie Jackson for Ricky Rubio trade, I just think – well, one Sam Van Gundy said it wasn't true. But if it was true, both teams should say no. It's just it's a terrible trade for both. I don't think anybody makes out. It's like a lose-lose. Each team would be worse, and each, each fan base would hate the opposite player that came to them. It would just – no, there, there's nothing about that trade that makes any sense to me, and I'm glad that Sam Van Gundy feels the same way. The first thing that I noticed is – so last season, right, I think Andre Drummond sort of came on the scene. I, I, I guess we could say he had a breakout season last season, and, and – he became more of a polished offensive player. And I don't know if he, like, switched development coaches, but it seems like he's sort of a little bit, a little bit at a standstill in, in terms of his development. It seems like last year's Andre Drummond and this year's Andre Drummond are the same player, which is not a bad thing because it still makes him, what, a top, I don't know what you consider Drummond, top seven center, I would say, in the NBA. Uh, that, that's the number I'm going to go with. But it, it doesn't seem like he's really making leaps and bounds far ahead of what, of what he did last year. Yeah, no, and actually that's a really good point too, something I, I honestly really didn't even think about. But, you know, everybody has a ceiling, and I think that that's the thing sometimes, especially with, you know, you start talking younger guys who are under like the age of 25, which I think Drummond's still 22, 23 area. Uh, there is a ceiling. Regardless of what we think as fans, there is a ceiling for every player. And if your ceiling is 14 and 13, I'm not mad at that. Um, you know, it's a little better about one rebound better and one point better per game than his career so far. But, I mean, I, I do see Drummond as somewhere as like a – I would have said probably 15 and 12. 15 and 13 and a half is pretty respectable. And maybe that's where he tops out. Maybe he picks up, uh, you know, some savvy moves as, you know, he goes down the stretch of his career. He develops a little bit of an offense, and he becomes more of like an 18-point-per-game guy. But let's face it, where's Drummond getting his baskets? off of the glass, off of just being in the right place at the right time, under the hoop, probably off of a penetration of a guard. You don't really see them featuring him a ton. I know it does happen. I know he has worked on it. Every big guy in the league who's like a defensive big guy who is great at rebounding and being the enforcer, they always want to score. And they always get these coaches and they work out with these legends and they want to improve their repertoire when really maybe they just need to get great at what they're already good at and, you know, again, what Drummond does is respectable, and I think that he just needs to have that offensive player with him, that offensive superstar star who can kind of give, him, uh, give the Pistons that other aspect. And I think they've tried to fill that scoring hole with a bunch of, like, forwards who are, like, stretch guys talking about Morris and Harris again, uh, to name a couple. And I just – I don't think it's really working. It's not meshing. Their point guard situation is a little weird. I know, you know, Jackson missed some time and all of that, but – uh, yeah, I don't know. And I don't think it's, again, I just want to really harp on the fact that the, the Drummond topping out wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. But 
you know, sometimes you just, as Popeye would say, I yams who I yams. <laughs> so the first thing I want to do is, is vindicate Andy a little bit, who has a notoriously bad memory. So I, I looked up this, uh, this Utah Jazz game, and Tobias Harris and Marcus Morris did have the most shots on the team. They went a combined 7 for 27 in that game. The team as a whole shot 39%. Wow. And uh, Drummond had 19 rebounds, not 20. So the one thing that I've seen from this team, just not even this week, but just throughout the whole season as I've been watching them, it seems like Drummond's best games statistically are in losses. Um, it, it seems like he always has a lot of boards, especially because, like you're saying, he gets a lot of boards because they miss a lot of shots. And Andre Drummond is a good rebounder, so he's definitely going to get some offensive boards as well, which is going to bulk up you know, his rebounding numbers, even though it looks like he only had two in this Utah Jazz game. But the other thing I wanted to, to say about about Drummond is, and this might be a little harsh, but it seems like Andre Drummond is DeAndre Jordan without Chris Paul. So, like, you would imagine if you were to swap Andre Drummond and DeAndre Jordan, just trade them head for head right now, and, and let's just say Chris Paul was healthy, you would think that Andre Drummond would be DeAndre Jordan on the Clippers, and then DeAndre Jordan would just be the Andre Drummond on the Pistons. Is that is that inaccurate to you? No, and I honestly kind of always think of those two together. I think Drummond um, Drummond does have a little bit of that. You can see, like, he, you can throw him the ball at half court on a fast break, and he can dribble it down to the other end and score. As where I don't know if DeAndre Jordan could do that, like, even, like, sure. 10 feet. But, yes, no, I do. The, the similarities are there. They both really kind of get off on the same things while on the court. They're both good rebounders. They're both, uh, you know – Good guys to stand under the hoop and just collect. And that is with Chris Paul. Besides the offensive rebounds are just those little, the little float passes from Chris Paul when Chris Paul's, you know, hit the lane. It's the uh, same thing Harden usually would use Clint Capella with a lot when he was healthy. So I do, I see the similarities, yeah. you know, to a T and maybe Jordan needs or Drummond needs that Chris Paul type guy. Yeah, and, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want it to sound like we're really harping on Andre Drummond because I like Andre Drummond as a player. I don't necessarily love him as much as everybody else does, um, but I've always liked Andre Drummond. The other thing I've noticed about him, though, is that I think people think he is like a defensive stopper, like a DeAndre Jordan, but I think he's a good, probably an above-average NBA center defensively, but I don't see him as like – I wouldn't put him better as like a guy like Marcus Gasol um, I wouldn't definitely not put him over DeAndre Jordan. He's definitely not Rudy Gobert. Um, so I think he's in like maybe that second tier, maybe even a third tier below those guys. And I think people mistakenly put him in that category with those other guys. Well, we have the arc. When we talk about players, you know, uh, you know, 21, 22 years old, because I am looking now and Drummond is 23. So maybe I'm a little harsh on him saying he's hit his ceiling, but it really does seem that way. I think we tend to look ahead and say, well, Drummond's got – what is he? He's about 6'11". He's a big, big boy. I don't want to – he's well over 250. And he's got really long arms. So you see a lot of these uh, – I think he's kind of got a similar build. He's a bit bigger than like an Al Jefferson, the really long arms. But he's a defender and he's an athlete. And you kind of say, man, you know, Al Jefferson was good at putting the ball in the bucket. This guy's built like him, but we're calling him more athletic you just see that like, oh man, this guy could be like a 20 and 15 guy or something like that. And it, it doesn't quite materialize that way. 
and you start to think, right. well, maybe this guy isn't the first option on a great team. Maybe he's the second option. I feel like in order to be the, the best player on your team, you've got to give me more than 14 or 15 points a game. I, I, frankly, it's got to be up above 20. This is what we always, you know, went after Dwight Howard about when he was hovering somewhere around like 20 and 13. We wanted more. People said, hey, he can get 25 and 15, and it never quite happened for him either. It's hard to build your team around your center in this this era of the NBA, I think. Yes, and that that's a great point as well, and I think that's a whole philosophical question about the, the Pistons along with other teams. Like, can the center be your best player? Um, now, let's move on from Drummond a little bit because I want to talk to you about the other, the other really key core member of the Pistons, Reggie Jackson. Um, who came back from an injury, so I know it's hard to judge a guy based on an injury, and he did pretty good last year, but it it does seem like I watched this team with Ish Smith on it, you know, while Reggie was out and with Reggie in, and it just seems like, for whatever reason, they just seem better as a team with it, when Ish Smith was in. Just, I don't know if it's because he doesn't need as many shots, he doesn't need the ball as much. You know, it could be those kind of reasons, because I don't think Ish Smith is the player that Reggie Jackson is, but is Reggie Jackson a starting point guard in this league? Do you, do you think that maybe his, his role should be as a sixth man like he was doing in OKC? You know, I, I kind of do think I see Reggie Jackson as more of a sixth man these days. There was a point where I think the league was really kind of favoring guys like Reggie Jackson or like Eric Bledsoe is another guy lumping into that, though Bledsoe is a better player. It was just these athletic point guards who were a little bigger than normal, 6'3 to 6'5", they were kind of they, – they dominated this small window where we saw, like, Derrick Rose and John Wall really come into to popularity. But then the, that point guard, it, like, switched so fast to Steph Curry where now you need to shoot. And Reggie Jackson right. is not a great shooter. I mean, I, I think the thing that's bothered me with these – and I haven't – beyond these couple games, I haven't watched a ton of Pistons basketball. Um, they're actually the only two games I've gotten to really see Reggie Jackson this year is I thought where he used to be really good in OKC when he came off is he wasn't afraid of the big shot, which he's still not, but his defense was there and his energy was there. And I'm not really seeing the same defensive energy out of Reggie Jackson. Again, small sample, really small sample, really two really bad games that I caught, but I don't know. I think he's another one of those players who you kind of saw have a high arc and then it just hasn't happened. And I think a little bit of that is to do with the way the league's changed. But a six man, you know, him and like a Brandon Knight, they have the same kind of things they can offer you off the bench. They're they're not a liability. You can put the ball in their hands. They will play a little defense and things of that nature. But I just, without the shooting, I don't know how you fare as a starting point guard in today's NBA. I completely agree. Um, just a couple of things that I saw really quick and then I want to get to the elephant in the room question. Um, Sam Van Gundy, free the homie Boban. Uh, he deserves to play more. You playing Aaron Baines over him yes. in any capacity is a crime against humanity. Um, and also, I want to salute Sam Van Gundy at the same token because last year he famously said that the defense should build a wall. He, he used another word instead. And then against Sacramento on the last inbounds play with like 0.5 seconds left, he literally built a smother offing wall by putting Bobon, Aaron Baines, and Andre Drummond in the lineup to block the inbound pass. So salute to you, Sam Van Gundy, for taking your own advice and going from a virtual wall to a literal wall. How, you know, I'm sure the new president is very proud of the wall that you built. Maybe we can put them near the Mexico board of those three uh, seven-footers. So the other oh, question that I have is who – because we talked about Marcus Morris and Tobias Harris basically being the same player. Which brings me to – and it seems like Sam Van Gundy sort of has started to realize that too because he's made some starting lineup changes. So my elephant in the room question is, who should be their starting five on this team? 
Oh, that's that's a that's like a gross question. I don't. <laughs> well, I'll answer it first. I'll, I'll, you, you can take my answer. Uh, I like John Lore in the starting lineup. To be honest, I like it with um, Marcus Morris as the sixth man. So I like Drummond, Caldwell Pope, Jackson, uh, Tobias Harris, and John Lore. I think that should be their starting five. And I also think Stanley Johnson has earned himself some more minutes on this team, and he's not getting enough love either. Uh, so what do you think? I kind of – I almost like it when, even though they're the same player, because it's what they have on their roster, I almost like it when Harris and Morris are on the court at the same time. And it's really – I mean, it's not anything that I actually love. It's just what I love from what they can give you. Uh, I'm not a big John Lohr fan. I, I think the, the, the thing with Tobias Harris and with Marcus Morris, what they do give you while they're a bit redundant is Tobias is a pretty good rebounder. And they both stretch the floor, which I think works in favor of Drummond. And I think being, you know, if you don't, we talked about DeAndre Jordan. If DeAndre Jordan didn't have a Chris Paul, what I would like around him is guys who don't stand in the paint because that's his area that's where he needs to operate. So I think it's a good thing for Drummond. But I I would really like to see them go another route. (laughs) Ultimately, they they need to make some moves. But for for the, you know, for right now, I like the – Reggie Jackson, Caldwell Pope, Tobias Harris, Marcus Morris, and obviously Drummond. Absolutely. So as we know, the as you know, as of right now, the Detroit Pistons are the ninth seed, um, just out of the playoff picture in the East, um, and just in the playoff picture is the next team that we watched, the Chicago Bulls. Um, we caught them right after the Pistons. We had a two and two stretch. We had wins at Sacramento and versus, or I'm sorry, at Memphis and versus Sacramento, and two really really bad losses that we're going to get into. Uh, first Alice at home, which is inexcusable, and at Atlanta, which the final score seemed uh, a little better than it actually was because they were down about 30 points at some point in that game. Uh, Andy, how many Chicago Bulls games did you watch? What were your impressions? Uh, I caught the Atlanta game, and I caught the Sacramento game. So I caught, you know, kind of uh, – and they were kind of uh, similar games, the, the end result. Um, obviously, they lost to Atlanta, one to the Kings, or one against the Kings. I think that – you know, the the Bulls are kind of a, a really weird, dysfunctional team. And I, I think when we talked about them starting the season, we said that this team's either going to be really tough because of the veteran leadership of Wade and Rondo and Jimmy Butler, or this team's just not going to work because the dynamic's not there. I think it's the latter at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> Rond, Rondo being Rondo, and now in the middle of this, he's like, yeah, I'm going to coach someday. That's what I've been setting up to do. Um, I, I can't be coached, but I will coach, and I don't understand that. Um, you know, obviously Wade being embarrassed for the team's performance, his performance, things like that. And, uh, you know, I, it's, just, it's just crazy. He had a good game against the Kings. I think he scored 30, but that was like the DeMarcus Cousins show. He had the 40-point game. Um, I think the Bulls are about who we thought they were if we were talking the disaster side of the coin versus the what-could-be-beautiful side of the coin. What do you think? Uh, I definitely agree. My first impression is, how is Taj Gibson finally starting on this team? I still feel like that they hate him. Doesn't it seem like... They do. You know, he finally got his opportunity. (laughs) That's why he started. playing like... Now they're playing, like, Nikola Miritich and Doug McDermott and this guy Paul Zipser, who I have absolutely no idea who he was until, like, a week ago. They're just like, yeah, you can get minutes over Taj Gibson. He's only going to play, like, 20, 25 minutes, even though he's starting on this team now. I just – I don't understand the Taj Gibson disrespect. 
I just want him to get traded so he can actually play 30, 35 minutes a game and be the quality player that he's supposed to be. Uh, that's my first impression of this Bulls team. Uh, I think free Taj Gibson. At some, yeah, free Taj Gibson is right. Um, the, the, the main thing we got to talk about is Jimmy Butler. Uh, my, my brother and I have a new nickname for him, the God, D-A-G-A-W-D. That is Jimmy Butler because he is trying as hard as he can to make this team a quality team, and it's just not working for whatever reason. Um, the Rondo move seems like a huge mistake. And my other impression here is that, you know, what we thought was going to be their advantage, and this goes, this is a discredit to Jimmy Butler as well. Again, in that Dallas game, that is a game that you win because you have Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade. It was like a close game. It's coming down the stretch. You know what I mean? And you're at home. You've got to think, like, Chicago's closing this Dallas team out because even though Dallas is getting healthier, they had Wes Matthews back, they had Dirk back, they're still not a very good team. So those kind of games is kind of like a microcosm of this whole season and, like, the opposite of how we thought it was going to go. You kind of thought that Dallas, or that Chicago was going to win, you know, anywhere from five to seven extra games just because they have those two players. And they could not muster up anything. And then Wes Matthews hit, like, a, you know, just a clutch three on them, and it was over. And those are not the kind of games that this team should be losing at all. Well, and you know what we do? Like, people who talk sports and people who write sports and people who are experts and people who are fans, we all do this thing where we see a roster, and it can be any sport, and we know because logic moves us. We know that this roster does not work. It's like the kid you see in the doctor's office with the little plastic shapes, and he's trying to pound the square one through the circle. Okay? It's never going to work. But because we saw – champions, Dwayne Wade, Ray John Rondo, we saw these guys and we paired them with Jimmy Butler, who's on the come up. And Butler really is, his numbers are improved. He's looking great. I almost kind of feared he hit a standstill a little bit last year, but his numbers are up. But we saw these guys and we wished upon a star with Dwayne Wade and with Rondo and it's not working. And if we were ever smart and we would have used our brains and not our hearts, Frank, we would have been we would have known it from the jump. We would have been like, nope, not going to work. There's no shooting. We even talked about the spacing and still gave them a pass. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> it is, and 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 two, how ridiculous it is. The the one thing that I took away from this week is I hate how much I still like this team for some reason. Like for some reason, I still want to see them in a playoff series. Like I still feel like if they got the eight seed and they were facing the Cleveland Cavaliers and you had like the whole Wade versus LeBron factor going on, I kind of feel like this. I. I I feel like 10% of me would be like, hey, maybe the Bulls can pull this off for some reason. And I don't know why, and it makes no sense. And you're, it's like you're saying, it's because they have, they have a bunch of players that I really, really like. It's just I don't like them together as a team. That's, that's really what it is. I love Dwayne Wade. I think he's been playing about what you could, you know, he's, he definitely has some up and downs, but I think the Dwayne Wade that I've seen on the Bulls is about the Dwayne Wade I expected to see on the Bulls. Um, Jimmy Butler, I think, is a superstar. I love Taj Gibson. Um, Robin Lopez will win a championship ring one day just because he's so solid and he's going to go to a contender and he's going to play like 15 minutes off the bench and he's just going to do all kinds of Robin Lopez things, make the right rotations, get some rebounds, get some offensive rebounds, you know, just, just be a pest. And I, I really feel that Robin Lopez will win a championship ring. All that said, I love all these guys, but for some reason this team does not work. And, and I don't know why I can't come to terms with it yet. And, and for anybody keeping score here, the 35-year-old, 35, yes, LeBron is much younger than Wade, a couple years. 35-year-old Dwayne Wade is averaging about 19, 
four and four and hovering close to 20 with the PER. So I think we need to give him a little slack. You know, people, cause you hear people mumbling in the corners, like Dwayne Wade sucks. <laughs> I hate right. to say it, but Dwayne Wade is terrible, but he's not terrible. I mean, it really is the, the dynamics of this team. It doesn't work. It's not logical. I mean, Spock would have been ashamed. We knew this coming in, but we played it off and we still gave them a pass. And, this is what we get. I mean, we knew what Rondo was. We knew what Rondo was. Everybody knew it. I even <laughs> said myself, maybe Wade could reel Rondo in a little bit. Nope, forgot that Rondo hated Wade before. Hated all the, right. <laughs> the whole Heat team. Right. Rondo's probably, forgot the whole Rondo's probably they like, just, they just forgot that. Yep. Rondo's hanging out like, man, I'm blowing it for D Wade down the stretch. Wait till you see his career numbers. Wait till you see his career win numbers. I'm killing him. You know what it's been for Wade, too, is that historically it's been for Wade like a health issue. So it's like, oh, when Wade's on the court, you know, you can expect this, this, and this from him. And it seems like this season he's been a lot more up and down. There's been a lot more like, oh, Wade had 35 points last night, now he's got seven tonight. So I think that might be the reason why, you know, people have sort of turned on Dwayne Wade. And also I just think they don't realize what it is to be like 35 years old in the NBA. That's that's kind of old. Um, and 35. To, to do the things that Wade, yeah, it's it's, you know, Postseason runs, right? And all those, all that mileage. I completely agree. So let's get into the elephant in the room question, and it's it's simply: Do you think that they regret the offseason yet? And I'm going to use a, a Brooklyn Nets analogy um, because I feel like the Bulls went mini Nets. You don't, you never go full Nets. Nobody, nobody ever does that. There's nobody stupid enough. But it seemed like what they did was they saw that they had Jimmy Butler and some other pieces, and when they traded Derrick Rose instead of just rebuilding around Jimmy Butler and, you know, get this young team, because Jimmy Butler's still a young man and obviously, you know, uh, has his best days ahead of him. It seemed like they did sort of what the Nets tried to do by getting Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. They got two veterans and they thought they could just revamp it really quick and just become a contender. And that's just not how it works. Yeah. And I think they did Jimmy Butler a disservice a little bit because I think they may have panicked because Jimmy Butler is 27 and I think when it's nice to say we have this nice young prospect, we think 23, and that's just kind of a, a product of the environment of today's game. 27 is very young, considering I just told you that Dwayne Wade at 35 is still averaging close to 19 points per game. So Butler being 27, there was a couple of years to build there. I, I mean, many would argue at 29 he'll be more in his prime than he is now at 27. So a, a little bit of a disservice there. I think it's, it's nice, man. I do the same thing. Hey, listen, Chicago Bulls, don't feel bad when I play my – GM mode on NBA 2K17. I do the same kind of stuff all the time. I bring in these big names, and it works for me. I don't know what you guys are doing, but yeah, I, I get it. I mean, your eyes get kind of wide when you see like Dwayne Wade, and you're like, oh, it's Dwayne. Not only is it Dwayne Wade, but we're bringing Dwayne Wade home. He's gonna kill it for us. We got Rondo in here, playoff experience, and it, it just it didn't work. And sorry, better luck next year. But hopefully, they can tear this apart a little bit, and you know, start over with Butler before he's too old and wants out. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm still trying to debate whether I should have that 2019 ticket for Michael Carter Williams booked to Turkey like I like I have since he's been drafted. Uh, I, I just I don't know. It's looking a little questionable for him. It's it's like his what third fourth team by now, and uh, not really not really performing up to the standards. So I have a bonus question for you. We're not we're, um, since we did two Central Division teams. Who do you think is the second best team in the Central Division? We have these two teams I that, still we, think that it... we went over, and then we have the Bucks and the Pacers. I still think for right now it's the Pacers, and then I think I would actually go the Bulls next. Um, Milwaukee and Detroit, I think Milwaukee definitely has 
the most upside. I think their future is obviously the brightest. But for right now, they can't seem to get together. They got kind of pounded on by Orlando the other night, which is weird because Orlando is a mess. Um, and the Pistons, I, I just from what I've seen of them, I don't necessarily trust them. We spend enough time on them. I still, I, I still feel like Chicago gets that eight seed. I think they're good enough to do that. And I think the East is kind of weird enough right around that that point eight nine that I think Chicago can do enough to stay in. Yeah. For the record, these all four of these teams are the seven through ten seeds in in the playoff standings right now. It's uh, Pacers, Bulls, Pistons, Bucks. That's the order right now. Um, I would actually, I think the Bucks are the most reliable, the second best team in the Central right now, just because I think they have the best player in in Adetokounmpo. Um, I think they have Middleton coming back. I think they're they're really building, and I think they have the most structure, you know, as a team, even though um, their rotations are are a little strange. So I would definitely. Um, go with the Milwaukee Bucks as the second best team, and I think the I think you're right. I think the Bulls do end up getting the eight seed, if not the seven seed, when it's all said and done. Um, speaking of which, the reason why I brought this question up, Andy, is because uh, next week we are watching the Indiana Pacers um, because I've heard okay. this that Paul George is Paul George is no longer a top ten player in this league, and I really just have to see it to believe it. So I, I, we need to watch them just so I can see how Paul George is, is bad now. Uh, so so what do you think about these Pacers? Have you seen any of them? I've watched a bit of Pacers games this year. Um, you know, I, I still think they're a team kind of struggling a little bit to find and lock in on their identity. I think they'll get it. They, they've got a – there's a lot of different pieces on that game – or on that team, if you think about the guys at Ellis and Thad Young and uh, Miles Turner and Paul George. You have a lot of different elements. So I, I think it's – they're one of these teams that if they're going to be really good, I expect it to happen in the second half of the season. And I kind of expect your Bucks to struggle a little bit in the second half of the season. Because of the youth. Oh, boy. So we will, we will talk about that next week. That is that is the end of our show. We will be with you next week to continue our journey across the NBA. Follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NLP Pod. That's N like Nancy Drew, L like Lyndon B. Johnson, and P like Pat Sajak. We will end as we always do with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night. <laughs>